This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free to use, which means you don't have to put out any money to get on this platform and start your own podcast. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Step on up, sit down, twist off that bottle top or crack open that can. And welcome to Porchback. It has been a long time coming, but we are finally here. Hello, folks. My name is Terry Cagle, and we are happy that you're here. I am joined here with my wonderful friends who will be the co-hosts for as long as they plan on being here. My longtime personal friend, Jason Aiken, and my friend of almost a year and a half, who is turned into being one of my best friends, Melissa Stewart. Welcome to both of you. Welcome to my porch. Welcome to Porch Matters. And I hope that y'all stick around for a very long time. Welcome. Howdy ho, neighbors. Good to be here. Jason, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. Can you complain any? I can always complain. You've got the platform right now to do it, buddy. (laughs) Well, I'll wait until we're on a topic and then I'll complain it. Uh, right, I, I don't think it does a whole lot of good to complain unless you have some kind of an idea of a solution or you're looking for a solution. So right now, um, I'm just glad to be here and no complaints yet. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, how are you doing tonight? Hon? I'm doing fairly well. I think I'm coming down with something, but no, it's not the COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Lord knows we don't want it to be the COVID. <laughs> Folks, tonight is episode one. It's a long-awaited episode one, and we are very, very happy to be able to bring this to you, and we hope that you enjoy what you hear. We hope that you stick around. We hope that you subscribe to whichever platform that you're listening to us on. We hope that you like our Facebook page and be able to keep up with what we're doing and keep the conversations going because that's what we're looking for. As I said earlier, my name is Terry Cagle. I live in a community named Dilworth in Walker County, Alabama. My community is surrounded by old coal mines and the community is filled with some real good people. I am 38 years old. I took some college classes, but I never finished it. I really need to get my butt back in school. I'm also a former corrections officer at the Walker County Sheriff's Department where I spent 10 years trying my best to serve my community as best as I could. And now, I am a second-generation truck driver. June 25th will mark two years for me, being behind the wheel with a Class A license. I've been into podcasts for years. You know, I've been listening to them for somewhere in the neighborhood of seven or eight years. I've always thought it was a fantastic platform and always came across as a lot of fun. I always wanted to try and do one, but I never could figure out how. 
I hardly ever listen to the radio anymore. That's how much I love them. You know, I'm always listening to podcasts. Flash forward till about two years ago, and two of my friends asked me if I wanted to be a part of a podcast they wanted to start up. That show became Two Guys in a Podcast, which is a good show. One of my buddies here, Mr. Jason Akins, is a co-host of that show. The other one would be Mr. Brandon Ash, and if he's listening, shout out to you, little buddy. Love you. Earlier this year, I left that show to start the process of making my dream, which is this show, a reality. It took a bit of time and took a lot of thought and a lot of work to get some of the details and everything worked out. I got these two right here involved, and if everything goes according to plan, folks, I'm telling you, it's going to be one heck of a show. So you can always trust this fat boy to give you good recommendations on food. You can also give trust this fat boy here to give you good recommendations on opinions. You might not always agree with what we have to say, but we will make you think a little bit. Jason, tell the folks a little bit about yourself, sir. I'll tell you a little about my history and who I have been in the past. Uh, I was also born in Walker County. Grew up, I'd say, about, I don't know, 15 miles from Terry. We did not know each other until we met as corrections officers at the Walker County Sheriff's Department and formed a fast friendship. Saw a lot of good qualities in the guy, and I've never had means to regret that. I'd like to thank you for having me on the show and for this opportunity. I agree with you that it is a fantastic medium for delivering information and for discussing issues in, in such a way that maybe the listeners can learn, we can learn from each other, and, and who knows, maybe even figure something out. I uh, have a degree in political science, volunteered for my first political campaign when I was actually in the 10th grade. And I have worked on campaigns for Republicans and Democrats. I have been involved in my own campaign. So it's that's uh, kind of been my wheelhouse. And I've uh, been interested before and disgusted at times. So uh, that's kind of what I'm used to discussing and, and, and looking at and enjoy. But uh, more than that, um, I'm just, uh, I'm curious about a lot of things. I'm curious about the world. And I, I look forward to discussions about all kinds of topics on this podcast and exploring different avenues. And I just think it's going to be a great time. I think it's going to be. And I'm not trying to kiss your butt here on this first episode, but I am going to be very truthful. Whenever I met you, it was a very wonderful experience and it always has been. And I'm sure it always will be. One thing that I I have always enjoyed doing is arguing with you. <laughs> and just for the record, I would have in the past and I still would have took a bullet for you. I love you, brother. I love you too. Same here. Same here. We um if if people could see us together, and if you don't mind me saying, um Terry is a, a very tall individual and um he's kind he's, of, he's leaving out sexy as well. I'm also a very sexy individual. Now well, that's yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's the eye of the beholder, my friends. But he's, he's built like a brick house. And, and myself, I'm not a small individual. I'm six foot tall and 200 pounds, but we're very much Mutt and Jeff. And he, he kind of, when I get off on a tangent and get a little too fired up, he kind of lets, lets me uh, get away with more than probably I should. So Mainly I, because I got, I'm the one needling you to get you fired up. Generally, yes, I think so. I got a feeling Melissa's not going to let me get away with a lot of stuff. 
No. <laughs> so no. that should be interesting. That yeah. she's I think she's gonna she's gonna she's gonna keep me in check. Just a comment on what he just said. If you are old enough or if you have went back and watched the movie Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, I'm not going to say that we are an exact representation of that, but I am going to say that there is a photo floating around somewhere. And hopefully, Mr. Akins will be nice enough to share it with on the Porch Matters Facebook page. Where, you know, where, where I am literally holding him in my arms for a campaign picture. Yes, yes. You know, there's a, there's another photo of us standing side by side, and there's a great story to that because my wife had just met Mr. Cagle, and she's she's a little person. She's about five foot three, and um, she made the comment. Oh, I took a picture of her. That's what it was. I took a picture of her standing beside Kegel. And she made the comment, look how, look how small I am beside him. And I said, well, sweetheart, everybody looks small beside him. And she immediately looked at me and said, so what are you saying? I'm fat. <laughs> I said, no, no, I'm just saying he's a very large guy. Everybody, and I still to this day have not lived that down. How that got turned on me, I do not know. For, for those for those who don't know me, I'm six foot seven. the The heaviest that I have ever been was four fifty six. I can say on record here on this show that I got on the scales a couple of weeks ago and I was down to three hundred eighty one pounds. So my goal is three fifty. I'm putting it out here. Y'all can hold me to it. I hope you do because I really, really would like to trim down because my. Uh, my knees and my ankles are not what they used to be. I am not 21 years old anymore. I am, I'm starting to feel 38. People look at me funny whenever I stand up and, you know, everything from my hips down pops all of a sudden and I grunt. And everybody says, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I might be a late, mo a late model, but I've got high mileage. <laughs> I wish somebody would have told me that the older you get, the more noises you start to make unwillingly. Like, you don't even know you're making those noises till you stand up and you're done doing what you're doing. And you're like, did I just make a grunt? Yeah. <laughs> so you got to be careful, careful what you eat, too. Uh, yeah. You make those, make those noises and embarrass yourself. Yeah, you bend I, over and oops. Yeah, I always thought it funny whenever people older than me would always talk about how they make more noises getting out of bed. Now I'm now I'm here. Don't make as much noise get in the bed as you do getting out of the bed. Now, uh, -uh you don't. Uh, I got the. It uh, sucks getting old. Getting into bed and getting out of bed. There's a whole bunch of grunting and popping and yeah. walking every step I take. It's a, oh oh oh. Yeah, but it, it, it beats the alternative. I mean, I'd rather make a whole lot of noises getting in bed than being six foot under. Yeah. <laughs> Melissa, how, uh -huh. are you, how are you doing tonight? And oh. if you would, be so kind as to tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Uh -huh. My name is Melissa Stewart. I grew up in a town called Athens, Alabama. I was born in Huntsville, and I was raised between the counties of Madison and Limestone. I played sports for most of my life. I'm now 35 years old, and I live in Ohio. I moved here to be with my partner. After college, I moved to Tennessee, more specifically East Tennessee, for about a 10-year stint. I didn't finish college because I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up at the time, so I had done a lot of odd jobs since then. 
You could say I'm a jack of all trades or a Jane of all trades, but a master of none of them. As of right now, I drive a semi truck, and I've been doing that now for about seven years. I love it, but I also hate it. With my life out over the road for the first five years of my career, I had a lot of time by myself and had a lot more time to think about what was going on in the world around me. Quite frankly, I have a lot to say on the matters that plague us. And um, you've given me this opportunity, along with Jason, to share my thoughts and opinions. And I've also had a lot of time to think about what I do, what I want to do with my life moving forward from here. So very soon, I want to start getting my psychology degree. But I also want to dab a little bit in law. But I don't want to stop there. Uh, I'd like to get my hands in a lot of in many different fields because one day I want to be an active member of society and actually helping people that are in need. And I've had this dream for the longest time of having a ranch of sorts, like a working ranch. But I want to run it uh, for foster children. So I also want to get mechanic skills, carpentry skills. Uh, farming skills and some veterinary skills because I also love animals. But I want to teach them how to do these trades before they take off into society. Because I really want them to have a fighting chance. I don't think that our foster system is really set up right for uh, the kids who are in need. So I want to give them the love that I have in my heart and give them some actual values in life that they can hold on to and take on into their adult life. But for now, I've achieved goal one of being able to come home every night and uh, lay my head in a place that I call home instead of out over the road and laying by myself and looking at an empty bed up above me or, <laughs> or whatnot. So here I am now. As I said for Jason, getting to meet you, even though it wasn't under the best of circumstances as you love to tell that story i'm but, about to <laughs> <laughs> well go go right ahead go right you ahead made me be your friend yes and, i did you know when i go to a new job and i'm very professional when it comes to that i understand that most people when they go to work they're not there to make friends but they have a very working professional uh, professionalism about them so it's easy to get along with everybody and you would call me and I would get off the phone or stop whatever it is I'm doing just to answer because I was like hold on my boss is calling I gotta answer this. <laughs> <laughs> and this started to become a trend and I was like after a little bit we'd it'd go from like 30 minutes to an hour and I believe one day we talked for like four and a half hours straight while I was headed back to the Coleman yard We've had numerous four-plus-hour conversations. Well, yeah, but when it started out, I wasn't expecting that at all. And I was just like, this dude is making me be his friend. But I'm happy he did because he's now one of my best friends. Or, yeah, he's definitely – I have, like, five friends my whole life, and he's on the top two friend list. My best friend, I've been friends with her for 13 years. I've known Terry for almost two. And then when Jason got thrown into this picture, he's like, and you're going to be friends with Jason too. <laughs> <laughs> I like bringing people together. It's what I like to do. I have a saying that I like to say a lot. It's got to do with a lot of things, but I have found in my personal life, family isn't always blood. And sometimes you've got family that ain't blood and you've got blood that ain't family. And I like to make sure that all of my family comes together. The little time that we've known each other, I figured that if you have somebody in your life that you actually enjoy talking to, then they must be all right. So if I didn't know anything about Jason before, I knew Jason had to be all right because you're all right and you wouldn't hold him in your life if you wouldn't. So <laughs> Sometimes it's a chore. I, sometimes I might need to be nominated for sainthood. 
I'm just kidding, Jason. I'm just kidding. But just like I said before, I love Jason to, do, to death. I also love Melissa to death. And I've had conversations with both of you. And I just knew in my gut that if I was going to do this and it was going to be good, even if it wasn't good, it was going to be fun because I know how both of you think. And I know I love having conversations with both. I just couldn't wait to see what would happen whenever I got you two together. Oh, it's going to be fun because I know how you like to pick and make people just start talking. I, I am a needler by trade. I really am. That's just what I do. Well, I'm going to now go every time anything happens, if it starts to get heated, I'm going to go, Terry, this is your fault. And I will be more than happy to laugh, smile, and say, yes, ma'am, it was. I can already see that shit-eating grin just creep across your face, and you just look like a hee-hee-hee-hee. <laughs> it's there right now, girl. What you talking about? <laughs> but... Now that we've got the introductions out of the way, folks, I, this is going to be a really interesting show because coming up here in just a few minutes, we were able to have an interview with a woman that is quite special. You hear a lot about COVID-19, not as much these days, but that's all we've heard for the last two or three months. COVID-19 this, COVID-19 that. Every commercial was about COVID-19. Everything on the news, everything on Facebook, everything on Instagram, Twitter, you name it, everything was COVID. COVID, COVID, COVID. To the point where COVID has almost turned into a cuss word. Everybody's sick and tired of hearing about it. I know I am. And at the same time, that's all people want to talk about. So I thought, what better of a topic to start out with on our very first episode? Number one, it's current events. It's what's going on in the world today. We can't ignore it. It's the elephant in the room, so we might as well talk about it. The other elephants in the room are going to be coming up in episodes two or three. We hope that you stick around because I guarantee you it's going to be good. We've got an interview coming up with a woman by the name of Stella Glover. She is a wonderful person with a very beautiful soul. And if you're listening to this, I love you, girl. She has been my, I can't call her a barber. What is the political term for a, for a woman who happens to cut your hair? I've asked but my partner. She's, she's also, she's a hairdresser. Okay. That's Thank what she you. calls herself. You're welcome. Thank you. I, I really do truly appreciate that because I would really hate to get this little woman mad at me because she's a very feisty woman, as y'all both know. I was gonna, I was going to say you you can also I believe the term beautician, but I don't know if that applies to you, big boy. I don't think it does either. That, that's <laughs> look at that's him. what He's so that's beautiful. What, <laughs> thank you, uh, folks, for the life of me. I, I did not want to start this show to massage my ego. I, I'm big enough as it is. Luckily, I have a wonderful girlfriend who loves to burst my bubble every once in a while. Shout out to you, Miss Stacy. I love you. She bursts your bubble or she just expands your bubble? Because no, she, she likes to burst yes. it every once in a while. No, I, I think Melissa's got that right. She expands it. I'm telling you. She expands it. Well, she, she, abs she absolutely does make me look good. Now, I will be more than happy to say that. I, I personally think I'm a sexy son of a gun. If anybody needs to think it, it might as well be me. It sure is nice to have her on my arm. She sure does make me look better. But as we, I'm digressing. Stop talking about yourself, Terry. That part. I'm trying you. not to, but y'all keep breaking it up. So you know, what better subject to talk about than me, right? 
I can think of like 10 right now. <laughs> Another reason why I love Melissa. She loves to bust my bubble too. I will anyway. bust every bubble, Brian. <laughs> Miss Stella has been nice enough to cut my hair for several years and we have grown to be pretty close friends. I love her like a little sister. All you heard for the longest was COVID this, COVID that, but hardly ever did you ever hear them interview anybody that had had it. You never heard anybody talk about how their experience was with it. At the time of the recording, Miss Stella was courageous enough to come out on Facebook and share to everybody that she had it. She was going through it and everything like that. And I thought that not only was the fact that she was a hairstylist and she was a small business owner who was affected with COVID in that instance. Hairdresser. But, excuse me, hairdresser that was affected by the shutting down of salons and everything like that. They were one of the first ones affected. As someone who had been, who had tested positive for it, I wanted to hear what her perspective was, and I thought that that would be a fantastic way to start the show. COVID has been around with us for several months now. A lot of us have had to make a lot of adjustments. It has affected the way we live life. There's a lot of people that thinks it was absolutely fake. There are a lot of people that think that the disease was real, but the way that the government reacted to it was wrong. All of that is topics for a later date, or it could be for now. But at the same time, everybody in their own right was affected by it in one way, shape, form, or fashion. Melissa, I want to start with you. How did COVID-19 affect you personally? And what are some of the lessons that we learned from it? And the reason why I'm asking that, whenever people go through stuff, there is always some kind of a positive that you can get out of any experience. Sometimes it's hard to find. Sometimes it's easy to find. But in every aspect of life, no matter what we go through, I firmly believe there's a lesson to be learned in it. So with that being said, I'm giving you the floor, girl. What did COVID-19 teach you and how did it affect you personally? Me personally, I was out of, I was out of work for three months. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know when we get to go back to work. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know how all the rest of the world was going to act react around me. And at that time, I had just moved up here to Ohio, and I was uh, starting my life with my partner, Elena. Her and I both freaked out a little bit because. Shout out to Elena, by the way. <laughs> Yes, shout out. I love you. But um, we were expecting just to come in, go to work, see each other at nighttime, go to bed, you know, to be, be together on the weekends or, or most of it. She works on Saturdays. We were just kind of tossed in. She shut down before I did. I shut down three days after that. And we both looked at each other and went, oh, my God, <laughs> what are we going to do with each other? I should have mentioned this a little bit in my introduction. I like puzzles also, puzzles of any depth. And whatever it is I look at, there's got to be a way to figure out how to solve this puzzle. We looked at we looked at each other, and we looked around the house, and the first thing I started doing was cleaning. Then we started painting. And we did a lot of these projects together. Or I'd move outside, and I'd work in the garage. And we looked at each other, and we were like, well, let's paint this house. And we played games together. And we got to bond in a way that we that we thought was frightening at first as far as the positive that i've seen out of it I, I honestly there are societies out in our out in the world that actually want you to be home more with your family instead of working because we live in a society where we basically work ourselves to death and these other countries they have shorter work days and they have more time to be home with the family and they have more vacation time and they have also higher productivity 
And that's what happened with a lot of things. People got to go home and work, but they saw productivity in the workload because people were home and they were happier. So that was one positive I saw. And I thought that that might be something that kind of needs to change. But you know, I work in a field that has potential to be an all year round thing. As a driver, I can drive anywhere. And in a lot of ways, you know, food is always going to be a necessity. Medical supplies is always going to be a necessity. So I like that kind of balance. If there was that kind of balance out there in the world where you can have a job that you are home more, or you can have a job where you want to go out there and do more stuff or or whatever suits you personally. But I'm in a field where I have options. We happen to shut down because we don't carry food. We carry car parts and the car industry shut down. I mean, all kinds of stuff shut down, but I really appreciated the time I had off. And I was looking at some things that people said what we should learn from this. And the only thing I could see that I really agree with is the cleanliness of people. Now, these are things that are taught to us as kids, you know, wash your hands after you use the bathroom, wash your hands and face before you eat. My, my grandmother hammered that into my face every time we about sat down to eat something was go wash your hands and face. <laughs> you know, this was something that's supposed to be a normal everyday thing. And so many people don't do it now. So, I mean, the disease spread has to do with a lot of the way people clean themselves, you know, not washing your clothes, not taking a bath, you know, not, not just doing those basic wash your hands, wash your face stuff. So I kind of like that it introduced that back out there but it's already it's always been there but it's just like bam you guys really need to wash your hands (laughs) (laughs) please please go wash your hands stop breathing on people (laughs) that's kind of what i took away from it i was lucky enough not to get sick but i spent most of my time at home only time i did go out was to go to the grocery store and that was it Jason, I yes. want to ask you the same question, sir. How did COVID-19 affect you? And what were the positive lessons that you learned from it? Stay stocked up on toilet paper. That's going to be the first thing that goes in the end times is the no, toilet paper. That's the funny part about it. You know, where we live at in that in Alabama, it's part of, if this state has a tornado alley, this is considered tornado alley. Anytime there's ever any bad weather or anything like that, it always comes through our area, don't matter what. But the funny part about it is, is anytime during the wintertime they ever talk about snow or ice, the very first two things that are off of the grocery store aisle or rack is bread and milk. And it is the running meme for everybody in this area. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, during COVID-19, the one thing that cannot stay stocked on the shelves at any point in time is toilet paper. Jason, can you please explain that? Because that just, it, it boggles my brain. Forget meat, forget storable foods, forget canned foods that you can live off of forever in the event of, an, of a cataclysmic emergency where you run out of, where you can you can't get water. Armageddon's hitting. At least you got something to eat. What is the deal with toilet paper? Well, I think a large part of it has to do with just kind of, uh, you've heard the uh, term herd mentality used before, mob mentality. I don't know where it started. I don't know what the epicenter was or ground zero for it. But when, you know, now with social media, uh, you know, basically everybody, each individual can be their own, what we used to call a news station or a broadcast station. You, you can put any kind of news you want out there. And I think that interconnectivity and that ability to put out panic over that particular item caught fire. Most of the people who bought it are in great droves. I think we're doing it because it was like a domino effect. They saw these other people getting it and they thought, my God, if they go in and buy it all up, 
there won't be any for me. And I'm thankful to know that many people are concerned about using the toilet paper, you know, and, and that they yeah, try to maintain some level of cleanliness. They were ab in absolute terror that if the toilet paper runs out, uh, we're going back to corn cobs. I don't know. Corn you cobs? Know. Yeah. Well, we yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is an interesting topic. Where did corn cobs come from? I I grew up in the country. My granddaddy taught me whenever we'd go hunting and we'd forget the toilet paper, you find some good leaves, and you always figured out which ones was the poison oak, which ones was the poison ivy, to make sure you stayed away from them because you did not want that kind of a rash on your backside. Well, so where did the corn cobs come from? Because you grew up 15 minutes from me. So apparently this is some kind of theology that I was never brought up. Well, one thing you have to consider is if you are in the woods on a hunt or something like that in the winter, you might not be able to find any green leaves. They may all be brown and crumpled, and, and that doesn't make for good wiping material. Maybe not, but it sounds a whole lot better than a corn cob, sir. I don't well, know. I don't really want to dig through the muddy valley <laughs> with my fingers. No, mm. definitely. I think the um, the corn cobs that was bef you know, that was something I grew up hearing almost as a joke that uh, people back uh, maybe a hundred years ago, maybe you know that um, before toilet paper was widely available. They would use uh, corn cobs when they'd go to the outhouse as uh, some type of instrument to scour with or the Sears and Roebuck catalog or some equivalent. Sears and Roebuck catalog, yeah, I, I, I could see. But the whole corn cob thing, I, I don't know about all that. Folks, if you have personally ever used a corn cob, or if you know anyone that has personally used a corn cob for this function, please comment to us, facebook.com forward slash Porch Matters Podcast. I would really enjoy to hear this story as bad as that sounds. Don't call yourself out. Just say you're you telling for a friend. <laughs> don't call yourself out like that. I don't really want to know if you've used one. But if you know a friend, I'd be more interested in hearing that one. Yeah. <laughs> That just sounds a little off. I, 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 I don't see how in the world that would be even remotely. Number one, how would that, oh. how, how, how would that possibly do anything for cleanliness? Oh, well, honestly, you know, you think about it, nobody likes touching it at all. When people get the wrong kind of toilet paper, they freak out. But with it's a cob, it, the, 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 just, just my mind saying, I don't know if this is true, but the way the cob is shaped, you don't ever have to touch anything. You use the cob. And the cob is the way it is, just the texture of it will clean you better than just using your hands or a leaf or something like that. It's not going to get it all, but it'll clean it better than doing that. Good, good, good enough. That's just what I think. Good enough. I, I don't know. I've never used the cob a day in my life. Uh, this, this me, makes, me either. Uh, just, get, just get, don't reuse it. No. Getting, getting back on subject, Jason, were you off work at any point in time? I was not. I have been steadily working five to six days a week all through this pandemic. Now we, um, uh, and I should, you know, probably tell why I um, am part owner of a couple of family businesses. One is a um, a landscape company that provides different services to uh, commercial properties, uh, primarily restaurants. And another one is a, um, a real estate 
rental property company, and we have rental homes that um, the bank the bank owns and allow us to rent out until they're paid for. It's, but, okay. Um, it's okay, brother. You can name off the names of the companies for, you know, I, I will be more than happy to provide free advertisement. <laughs> well, so one in particular had to make some cuts and we ended up all the way around. We lost uh, about $5,000 a month immediately. So we were scrambling within our budget to try to make sure we could keep going. The act that uh, Congress and the, uh, the House and the Senate passed the Payroll Protection Act that was meant to help small businesses keep going and keep people working, that was tremendously helpful for us. I, I don't know what we would have done exactly. I, don't, I think we would have had to have laid somebody off. But that allowed us to keep going. And, and, and so far, it's begun to come back and trickled back to us. But uh, no, I, I stayed very busy because the, fortunately, the customers we had were considered essential. And therefore, because the services we provided were necessary for them to keep going, we were essential. So that helped out a good bit. But So I was able to keep going. But I really, you know, I'll be honest with you, I felt very, very badly for people that were not able to work. At the same time, I know there were some people that were working and their companies continued to pay them depending on what job they were in. And I was somewhat envious because I thought, boy, I could use a month or two just to do work on the house that I can't ever make time to get to. So, um, you know, for some people, it was a blessing. For some people, it was a curse. I was in the same boat with Melissa on that. You know, we worked for the same company and I was off work for almost two months. At first, I was really, I was really worried. I was really stressed out. And luckily... After the second week, I was able to get my unemployment, and I was very thankful for the extra money that the federal government kicked in on that unemployment because you know as well as I do, Alabama's unemployment is terrible. It is meant to make sure that you get back to work as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. So That's the way it should be. But there are a lot of people who didn't want to come back to work after because they were making more money on unemployment than they were actually working our company was one of the companies that said if you refuse you're done you don't work anymore <laughs> and brought and bravo to them as well i was really stressed out about it because i'm like everybody else in this world i got bills to pay i remember telling melissa a couple of times you know if this rocks on two or three weeks i might have to go find something else to do i got stuff to pay for luckily i was able to draw that extra money and it took a lot of the burden of worry and everything off Luckily, the bank and everything that I have my truck note through was nice enough to put three months payments on the back end of mine. So, you know, that took a lot of stress off too. Up until then, I'm used, you know me, you know, I'm, I'm not used to sitting on the sidelines to use a sports term. I, I'm used to being a, I'm used to being a team player and a big contributor. Coming from the, working at the sheriff's department where I was quote essential you know, even going to another job where it just happens to be what we carried wasn't as essential as everything else. That took some adjusting to um, I, I went through a big mental deal for those first two weeks. I was stressed out and worried. And then in order to keep me sane, 
I started doing projects around the house that I'd been putting off. Laid some brick and I started helping my great aunt get rid of a stump that she's got in her front yard by cutting trees down and, you know, brush and everything like that, which I'm still doing because we still hadn't got that stump took care of. But just trying to find things around here to keep me busy and to keep me occupied. Top of that, you know, earlier in the year, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure and I was told that I was a diabetic, which is news that nobody ever wants to hear. I put forth a lot of effort to try to control the diabetes and everything with my diet. At one point in time, the heaviest that I can remember I ever weighed was 456. And like I said, I weighed about two weeks ago and I was down to 381. So the goal is 350. I've already said this, but feel free to keep me on track on that because God knows I need all the help I can get because ice cream and chocolate chip cookies are calling my name every day and it's very, very difficult for me to withhold that temptation. I'm still on the wagon, but I'm hanging on by a pinky toe. I need to get back up there on the wagon. A few of the things that I definitely learned about COVID was going back to our grandparents you know, our grandparents lived through the depression and it was a terrible time. My grandparents always tried to teach me how to save money. And I just, I'll be honest with you, I'm terrible with saving money. When it came to COVID, it's not what you make, it's what you save. That's what they always tried to imprint on my brain, but it just never did set up until I got stuck in a situation like that where I wasn't necessarily sure there was going to be a paycheck coming in. That was one of the main things that I took away from it. You need to make sure you got an a nest egg put back because you never know also on storable foods just like you was talking about a minute ago with toilet paper look the mad look at the mad dashes and everything that we've had with the grocery stores and everything yeah a lot of places have been limited to you can only buy two th- two items of the same thing at a time as george carlin once said in a comedy routine what happens when a super bug that melts your insides pops up? What are we going to do then? Look, I hate to talk negatively about anything. But yes, there has been a lot of people sick from this, but the numbers don't lie. The death rate on, on this is what, 0.04? If that, there's not a lot of people dying from it. What happens when a super bug shows up that has a 5% death rate on it? Anybody, please feel free to speak up. Well, I'm not sure what the um, present death rate is exactly. Um, it's it's quite a bit worse than the common flu. But the, the thing that, that I have really put a lot of time into thinking, I mean, when you consider 120,000 people in three months, that's that, that whips the flu pretty handily, is if this thing was more deadly, there'd be panic in the streets. We'd be in total anarchy, not saying that we're not already, but that's another subject for another show. It wouldn't take long. It wouldn't take long if this thing was more deadly or as deadly as, say, the Spanish flu was back in 1918. You would see absolute chaos taking place and panic One thing I hope we can gather from this as a country is that we were horribly unprepared, even though we had been warned for the past 15 to 20 years that uh, more than likely with uh, the interglobalization and world travel and just going by the normal timescale, hey, we're kind of coming due for a major global pandemic here. Still, we were unprepared at this point. I mean, uh, And I don't know how it just fell apart like it did, but if this thing was a lot more deadly, then, oh, my God, I I don't, I mean, you know, we we really have to take a look at, at, 
at, at the um, chain of command and how things are done. Expound on that. You got to have you got to have proper leadership from your federal government in something this size, and it's got to go from the top of the federal government on down to the smallest local level. But uh, this, this is where the the confusion for me comes in. You know, this is a puzzle that I like. But how do you get everybody to listen without feeling like your freedom has been taken away? To a certain point, we come together for all kinds of things. Yeah, that's the thing. We come together. Well, it's you have to, to do have, hard. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you have to have the leadership that can bring people together. I mean, you have to have that in place. And that's where leadership that can reach out to everybody that has some credibility counts. Well, to start with, our country did come together whenever they said to start with by those allegedly wonderful people from the WHO and Dr. Fauci and all of those so-called experts whenever they came together and said, it's just for two weeks. And then, the, and, then though, and then those two weeks lasted up until even now, there are some states right now that's still in quarantine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, there comes a, at the start with everybody was united. They were willing to give up two weeks. Yeah. And My then, favorite. sorry, go ahead. But at the same time, there's a fine line there because our, the way our economy and everything else is set up, you shut down like we like we were asked to and that a lot of us did voluntarily some of us not as voluntary as others but we still shut down the way our economy and everything is set up you shut down for an an extended period of time we have got a humongous recession and or depression looming in front of us if we're not careful Mm -hmm. well and you were talking about it comes with a leadership you know and it starts with the federal it it starts with the states honestly the whole thing starts with the state government because we were listening to our governor our governor was telling us what to do and this is my favorite thing when you said that i just thought i saw nancy pelosi and this it was hysterical in my brain because she was like please don't cuss on my on this podcast you just said her name Her name's going to pop up more than that, but this is funny because mm-hmm. this was within two weeks that she'd done this. She came out with her mask on and she says, we need to come together as a country <laughs> to fight this or whatever. And then two weeks later, she had her mask half off and was pro-protesting and telling people to go out and protest together. So that whole thing is just null and void when it comes to that because not everybody's on the same page. It's all place so- that starts as a state. So why is it you noticed that, but January, February, and early March, when President Trump was saying it was a hoax and that it would just vanish, you didn't notice that? It's not vanished. I did notice that. It was not a hoax. I did notice that, but it was also the people under him telling him that everything was fine. Because that was another thing somebody called out Nancy Pelosi for, is that she was calling people to go into tourist areas and saying everything's fine and to go on and go on out. And then not even a little bit later, she was on the bandwagon with blame Trump. He's telling everybody it's a hoax. But she was part of that whole thing. Because people right. were coming out and looking at it. But Nancy Pelosi is not the president. That's right. But he's You're right. Go. She's he the most powerful everywhere. woman in the country. That's right. But she's, she's not the president. And that's right. The but You're right. She's arguably got more power than the president. He can't be ever. He can go on by what he's told. And he was told by everybody underneath him and where he's been that everything was fine. He was told that it was a Democratic hoax. 
No, that's not that's what, what I said. That's not what I exactly. just said. That's not what I don't, said. Don't, don't. That's what he said. I'm not saying it's what she that's said. That's not what I said. I just said she was the most no, powerful woman. That's in what the world. he said. Because, well, that's what Donald House, Trump said. Well, the Democrats, which is Nancy Pelosi is, was going out saying this stuff. She was saying everything's fine. Go on out, enjoy. Everything's fine. Our country's fine, and all that. Very true. That, very true. She did that, do that. Where she said that was was in the middle of Chinatown in San yep. Francisco. She sure did. Yeah, but that that did not last very long. No, but even then he did react. I'm not saying this is. It's not just him. It's you still have to go. You don't watch. No, I agree. All of you the, listen all though, the, for real. Where it starts at is your state, because what we watch is our local news. We watch our local stuff before any of this other stuff hits right. the fan. So you only it starts with the state and what the state decides to do. The federal government but, has no control over the state. That's why there's a separation. So it started over there. The federal government has to provide the leadership because they have the resources. A lot of these states don't have the resources to react like they need to. There has to be, I mean, on something that's nationwide, well, then you cannot was, have 50 states doing 50 different things. You're right. Federal the federal government can't do anything like that unless it can't the state asks for it. Right. So it starts with the state. because it's they, they, But the states cannot do that. Yeah, it's the state's responsibility. That's why the state the has the state, the state, and the federal, federal government also has to ask, for, has to declare a national state of emergency. Yeah, there has to be a national state of emergency, and that's what then, should be done. And guess what happened? That's what he did. The federal government responded. Exactly. He even oh, mentioned. He even Trump even mentioned the virus in the State of the Union address. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that man's perfect. I'm not even saying this. No, not at all. But what's, what, what got my attention with that whole thing, when you said that it's the federal, Nancy Pelosi, the meme that popped out after that yeah. was hysterical. Right. No, I understand. You know, I mean, yeah. Nancy Pelosi is not, you know, my, my, my ideal perfection of, of leadership. You know, what I'm saying in general that on something this big, the federal government has to take the lead because they have the resources and, and the they money. Did. When it was declared a national emergency, uh, yeah, did, exactly it, what happened. Eventually, yes. Eventually. My, my, per, my personal opinion on Nancy Pelosi, the only thing that she can do right is adjust her teeth and her mouth. Well, <laughs> I don't even have a response for that. I was about to I'm just me. saying, I, I, <laughs> you know, I, I am more than willing to, on this show to try and find some middle ground here because yeah. I think I believe that's the premise of mm -hmm. this show for us to all try to find some middle ground in any kind of discussion whatsoever. You're going to be yeah. very you're going to be very hard pressed to find any kind of information that is ever going to make me side with Nancy Pelosi. Well, I'm not siding with you. I don't think I don't, like again. None of nobody was prepared for this. No, nobody was. Federally, but as far as federally is concerned, they have to be well informed before they can. Right, do it. and uh, the state well, has to be the one to call a national emergency. I totally agree with that. And what y'all said, what y'all said a minute ago about how Trump said it was a hoax and everything like that, it was not a hoax. One hundred percent, it was not a hoax. We've had people die. You know, I will never say that it was a hoax whatsoever. At the same time, was it as bad as what it was allegedly supposed to be? Well, no, it wasn't. And, but I think there are different, I think one, when you're in the position of having to make policy on a new contagion, you're going to have to go with the worst case scenario. If not, you could cost lives. 
I agree with that wholeheartedly, but have you ever thought that he might have said something like that to keep the public calm, to keep mass panic from happening? Said something like what? That it's not that it's nothing to be worried about. Everything is going to be okay. He is openly, he has openly talked about how, he always tried to be optimistic and see the and see the positive on stuff. He I, has I said think, that on record. I think Trump is transactional. Everything is a business deal, and everything comes back to how it benefits him. I think he did not want to upset the markets. He did not want to see the stock market goes down, go down because he knew his ticket to reelection was the economy. And that's, that's I mean, most people are telling election. That. Huh? That's anybody's ticket to re-election is how the economy's That's doing. That's what I'm saying. At the so same, the, at so the he same, needed to keep the markets calm. At the same time, whenever tragic events or any kind of national emergencies come up, a lot of people want a leader. Now, I on this part, I can somewhat side with him. Okay, you got they, and whenever tragic events or anything like that come up, you want leadership. Everything that has been said. All of that is subjective. It's open for debate, and that's one of the premises on this show. Discussion is something that is almost a lost art. In order for us to be able to come to any kind of conclusion or any kind of middle ground or anything like that, it has to be discussed, whether we want to or not. Coming up next is an interview with a woman that I hold in high respect. As I said earlier, Stella Glover. She is my hairstylist. She was affected by COVID-19 in two different areas. She's a business owner that had to shut down earlier than anybody else that I can think of. She also came out on Facebook about two weeks before the time of this recording and said that she was diagnosed, that she tested positive for it. I wanted to make sure that she had the platform to be able to tell her story because out of all of the stuff that I have ever heard on mainstream media, I've never heard anybody on mainstream stream media interview anybody that actually tested positive for it and actually gave their side of the story and i wanted to make sure that she had that opportunity miss melissa stewart and mr jason akins both are a part of this interview without further ado here we go stella how are you tonight i'm good yeah i am well good i'm glad you're good how's your day been it's been something We're off to a great start here, folks. I'm sorry. I miss doing hair, so I don't know what my days consist of anymore. Yeah, I don't even know what today is. Does anybody know what today is? Is it Thursday? It's Wednesday. Tuesday. Tuesday. And Maya... My Breaking girlfriend, she's a, she's a hairstylist, too. She's feeling that itch also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. Where is she a hairstylist at? I'm in um, Reynoldsburg, Ohio. So that's oh, where, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, she's feeling I own a hair here. salon in um, Summerton, Alabama. I've done Harry's hair for about 10 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's been doing she hair is. since she could be in the shop with her mom when her mom owned a shop. So, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Stella is. Yeah, I love it. Stella is pretty much single-handedly responsible for making me look like a sexy beast. Good job, because he needs all the help he can get. And she is a miracle worker, and she ought to be nominated for sainthood. I mean, if you need to, there is a Saint Stella in my religion. Um, catechism has a Saint Stella, or whatever. See? So yeah. how long? How long have you been doing hair? Um, roughly about 10 years. I briefly gave a little bit of a description a little bit earlier. How did you, uh, get started teaching cosmetology? I knew that at one point, 
um, it would be time for me to step from behind the chair, um, which I love what I do. I want to do it for as long as I can. But if I ever needed to step from behind of it, I wanted to give people that were just coming up experience. And um, I don't want people to learn by the book all the time. By the book is great. I think you should learn the basics of everything, but that's not everything. Um, I think that, um, you know, the way people present themselves has a lot to do with their appearance, not their appearance first, but their appearance last. So like you, for instance, um, I changed your haircut up so much um, because I've learned so much about you and I focused on what suited your personality. Um, so I want to teach people that. I want to teach people that a haircut isn't just a haircut, you know, and a color isn't just a color. I think it's very important. Break, breaking the fourth wall again, folks, we are recording via Zoom and I am wearing a hat. Part of it's out of respect for my hairdresser because I do not want her to see the crazy... Uh, Atrocity? <laughs> yeah. I, I really don't... I don't need a tongue lashing. My, my mother was nice enough to trim me up just a little bit. Oh, no. Dude's, and I dude, love your mom. I dude. do. I, lo I love your mom. Yeah. So, you know, I love my mom. Shout out to Mama Janice. Love you. Love but, you, uh, too. You know, miss you, Mama. I miss Miss Stella being able to cut my hair, and I'm hoping and praying soon we'll be able to get to that. Can you touch on, um, any, on, on how on how it feels to be a hairdresser right now during COVID-19? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to get so much hate for this, but... Um, you're one person that I know I can be honest with. I think Kay Ivy was at a catch 22 double-edged sword with us. Um, if she closed us down, which she did, she, everybody's mad because they, she shut us down. But if she wouldn't have shut us down and we all would have gotten COVID, we would have blamed her because she didn't care enough about us to shut us down. I agree wholeheartedly. I think she was in yeah. 22, you know, all of the, all of the other states around us had already either shut down or had already put restrictions and everything, which I'm not, yeah. a fan, I'm not a fan of, and you know I'm not. But at the same time, I get where she was coming from. At the same time, I think it's, I think it's past time that we need to open up. Um, so since Friday, um, now you know me, you know I'm a researcher, and I've seen a lot of people say, you know, since Friday we've had a thousand more cases of COVID. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, because they've opened up the state. I was like, no, because we have more testing. I don't think it's because we opened up the state. I think it's because we have more testing. Um, their main thing was reaching out to test for testing in rural areas. I think it. we just have more testing. Yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with opening the state. I agree. And I think the whole, yeah. I, my whole thing is everybody's so scared they might have it is, is there's more people going to get tested also. I can understand that to a point. Um, personal experience only. I can't speak for somebody that, you know, that's dealt with a different strand of it. I did test positive for COVID, which I told Terry about. The day that I went and got tested, I knew I had a fever. I knew I did not feel right. And I, I had no taste, mm -hmm. but I did not have a fever, not a real fever. Um, the only reason the doctor was like, look, you know, you can have a fever due to this, this, and this. He was like, what else is going on? And I was like, well, I don't have any taste. He was like, oh, we're going to go ahead and test you. And that wasn't even on the roster of the COVID symptoms at that time. Yeah. So he tested me and my husband had told me for a couple of days, he's like, Stella, you're going to come back positive, which my husband's a cop. So he, he kind of already knew because I was very lethargic. I'm very go, go, go. 
I'm in my salon 10 to 12 hours a day and I love it. I love what I do. But can I say that I did not get it from work? No. No, I cannot. Um, I wish that I could. But if I got it from work and I would have, and KIV wouldn't have mandated us to shut down, well, more Scott Harris, ADPH. Um, I could have given, we have a lot of cancer patients. Yeah. We have a lot of immunosuppressive patients. I was, my third day is when I really ran a fever. So I don't think these thermostats in the salons will help anybody. My fourth day, I felt like, do y'all have kids? Or no kids? Right. So you know those bats. They're not wolfle bats. They're more, they have the soft outing. Right. Yeah, the they kind of squeeze and leave an imprint. I felt like I had just been beat with one of those. Um, and that I had surgery and that gas was just stuck. I couldn't get it out. Um, but that was after I tested positive. And honestly, when I tested positive, I was like, well, this, is, this doesn't make much sense. But the 14th day, I was like, oh, my gosh. Is this pneumonia? Is this the flu? I'm not totally sure. So um, within those 14 days, I could have continued to work. I really didn't feel a whole lot. I just knew I had been exposed. Somebody was gracious enough to tell me, hey, um, I don't want to freak you out, but we have tested positive just for your own sake. Go get, go get tested. And I wasn't even close to in proximity to them. Um, and I was like, okay, so I'll, I'll just go get tested. It's not a big deal. And then when I tested positive, um, I do, and Terry can tell you, there are days that Terry's like, hey, girl, can you get me in today? I'm like, no, I love you so much. I'm going to give you the next best person, but I'm so busy. I cannot see straight. Those are my days. Um, so I could have just been giving it, giving it, giving it. Although I'm not sure that COVID hasn't been here before when they're saying it has. I just think they just developed the testing for it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm, one so, of the, I'm one of those that actually really thinks that it was here around November or December. Because there was a little. I know you of, do. There was a lot of people that were coming down with. You know, what they were calling acute upper respiratory issues. Yes. Um, and in fact, I got tested the first time. I'm not going to say where. They lost my test results. Oh. They said I had staph in my throat and that I had a severe upper respiratory. And I was like, that's weird. Um, I was born in Texas, raised in Texas, so I don't have the sinus issues. I don't have issues with mosquitoes. They never bite me. Um, bees, pollen, I just don't have those issues. So when she told me that, I was like, that's odd for me to have a severe upper respiratory and staff in my throat on the more positive side of, outside of being um, normal. Because, you know, they have, a, they have a measurement for normal, <laughs> past normal, below normal, which below normal is where you prefer to be. But when she said that, I was like, mm. um, and then I finally made a call. Um, I found out where they sent their test to. And they were like, we don't have any test results. We, they've not sent us anything. So I found out my 10th day, they did not send them in. They lost them. I called and I was a fit. I was a rage. I was like, listen, this is my worst day. This sucks. This is terrible. My 10th day was when I just kind of like, um, you feel like you've had a severe workout and then you've eaten and then you kind of crash. That's what I felt like. Um, I felt like I had cried. And, and she'll know what I mean, a severe good cry. Women only really understand a severe good cry. That's what I felt like I'd had. So I went out to urgent care of Jasper, and that's where I found out they were like, you are very positive. 
like mm. very positive. Um, it took me another 20 days to come back negative. Um, and now I have to go give blood and they also want me to give some other things to maybe find a better um, suited drug for this. So because I have a blood clotting disorder, they feel like I'm a really good candidate for that. So, um, that'll be good, but I just feel like everybody is prone to get it at some point. And if we don't just get it, we're not, there's not going to be an insight to it. So there, I don't know. I feel like it's been around for much longer than now. Only now they develop testing because they can develop mass panic. Um, governments can see, but if you know, it, if what's going to happen. If it's been around longer, then by that logic, we've got a lot of unreported deaths from it. Correct. But, um, again, researcher at heart, and I, I do respect that, unreported deaths. But I did find out that death rates due to COVID-19 on their death certificate yield more um, government funding to the hospital oh. than, let's say, the flu or pneumonia or a heart attack. They get three times the amount. And that fact-checked, and I did. I am such a big fact-checker, which I'm sure y'all heard me say multiple times, that has been fact-checked true USA Today. Yeah. It's, like I say, it's a... It's a crazy thing. Um, I didn't think I would get it. I was like, I'm so healthy. I'm so good. I'm great. I maintain certain diets. I'm a very small person. Terry can tell you I am a small individual. I mean, I'm like pocket size. So I didn't think I could catch it. Um, but my daughter has um, seizures. So I was like, I'm just going to close down early. Maybe they won't shut us down. Maybe they will. But I need to protect my daughter. I never thought that I would be the one that carried it home. And I did. So, but I do un understand underreported deaths, as you say. Um, I understand people that haven't been tested because they're in rural areas and the testing isn't quite available to them. But as somebody who was tested in a decent amount of time, it took 13 days to get my test results back. Well, I think that's been probably one of our biggest not probably the biggest failure in this whole situation in our country is we did not get on testing quickly and thoroughly enough. And by, by the way, I think, you know, there's nothing, there's no perfect system. Every system is no. going to be imperfect, but you go with, okay, what is going to give us the best chance of success and normalcy? Well, we have as much testing as possible and I've had people throw the argument up to me, well, you can't just get tested every day. Well, of course you can't. That's foolishness. But you can get yeah. tested. And if someone happens to show positive because you have a lot of asymptomatic people, then you say you selective quarantine. And then you start right. to trace down who have you had contact with like we would any other outbreak. And then Gosh, by that I way, could, other, other, yeah, other people can go on about their normal life. Yeah. And... They may they may get it they may test negative and then get it the next day, but you're, you're right. Taking, you're selectively taking people out of the equation for a certain amount of time, tracing down who their contacts have been to let them know how hey, you better get tested, and in that way you don't just do a blanket. We're just going to shut everybody down. You know, to me that I, that makes more sense. I swear, I think you're inside my head. 
<laughs> I, I really do. This is, oh my gosh, I wish my husband was with me right now because I have literally attacked this from every single angle you could possibly think of. And I could not agree more. I kept my list at the salon so slim the last three days we were open because I didn't want that to be a great, um, that me, me having to call a lot of people. Terry Cagle knows that Turner very good friend of mine. He's like my little brother. His grandmother has cancer, but doesn't. There's a lot of things that happen there. She's radiation. She has to do all this. If I would have given it to her, oh my gosh, even if I would have found out I was positive and she would have gotten it from somebody else, I would have blamed myself. I would have been oh, like, yeah. oh my gosh, I now have this. She has this. I'm a horrible, her and I would have beat myself up. I'm, I mean, I, but I, at the same time, I think that it's going to be one of those things that if we don't get, we're not going to have an immunity to. Yeah, I, I mean, it's going to take them years and years to develop a good enough virus because, you know, they have to actually inject it into you. I mean, they have to, just like the flu, they have to inject it. And I think that, you know, we have, I maintain quarantine. I've had a lot of people offer me a lot of money to do their hair <laughs> and I just can't do it. I'm like, I can't. I just can't. Um, and Believe it or not, I am friend. not one of those people. I have not. He's not. Terry's not. No, you he got did your message me. He was like, okay, forgive me. I have sinned, and I already knew. Yeah. But it's, you know, now we're up to fines and losing our licenses, and I have so mm -hmm. much more to lose than that. I have my business license, my license, uh, my instructor's license. Um, I teach classes, and I would, I would stand to lose all that, but more so at they have not proven if you have gotten this, you cannot get it again. And I don't want it again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That is correct. Mm -hmm. We do not no. know that for certain. I, that's I, it. We don't know anything for certain. Well, and that's, I believe, and I'm sorry, Terry, did I interrupt you? I apologize. Go ahead, Go ahead brother. I, I, I think part of the whole, you know, when, when, like so many other issues that come up in our country, we've got, we've, We've, you know, the division is so great and the tribalism is so great. Things kind of get viewed through the lens of whatever your particular political persuasion is. But when you can step back from that and just look at it as a whole, this is something I don't, I'm, I don't buy into a, a grand conspiracy by that a million people are keeping the secret. This is what it is. And no one really knows a lot for sure. We're just in the middle of it, and we've got to get through to the other side of it. Even the best experts in the country, they know more than I do, but they're trying to see their way through it. I, I, yeah. don't buy, I don't buy into, well, you know, this guy and that guy. I, I think that, to me, that's foolishness. Well, we, don't know, know, we uh, don't know where we're headed with it. We don't know anything for certain. It's day by day, and we're not going to know a lot until we get to the other side of it. I just... That's, You're right. You know, it's still so new. Um, and I feel like um, out outside of this topic, me and you could have just a really a lot to talk about because our um, our convictions are so much alike. Um, and I agree. I don't think this virus goes. I don't want to touch a. I think I'm going to touch C. Um, I'm not. No. I'm going to leave D no. alone. I'm going to attack G. It's not the way it works. Um, right. I do think right. that maybe our kids had it first and they do have stronger immune systems, especially oh, yeah. kids oh, that yeah. have been forced to go outside. My children are not inside beings at all. 
And I just, like I said before, and, and I can, and I back it up. I mean, I've said it three times now, which, which proves that I back it up. I think that more people have had it than they think. They're like, you know, I haven't been sick. Well, you're good for you. You're asymptomatic. That's great. But they're not thinking of it. They're thinking of me. I'm thinking of my mother. Um, my, my stepmom's a nurse practitioner, but she has mono. She's been struggling with it for probably 10 years. And I was going to come down, um, where I am now. My dad lives in Panama city. So I was like, I, you know, I could go down there and you know, just get away for a little while. Cause I don't. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, I can imagine giving it to my stepmom. She's a great woman. I, I can't imagine because she already has all these health issues. And now my dad has to have heart surgery. So what if I gave it to him and, I, and you have all these different scenarios but then you've got people that are going out and living their best life. While we're, I have maintained quarantine, truly maintained quarantine. And there's so many people that haven't, that they don't realize they're carrying it to their mom. He's carrying it to her aunt. He's carrying it to their mother. And, and, and it goes down the line, especially in a nursing home, especially. And, yeah. and I hate oh, when people are like, you know what? We're not at a risk. This is old folks home. I'm like, oh, you stop. You feel a whole lot different. If that was your aunt or your grandmother, um, I've got a 94 year old grandmother, last grandparent I have. Um, and I've talked to her a lot on Venmo, not Venmo. My goodness. I'm so sorry on what is it? It's not, I can FaceTime my husband, but I can't FaceTime her. I have to download an app. No, I can't think of what it is, but I've been talking to her a good bit. What is it? Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember what I was going to say. It was just another platform. My phone does that. It won't let me talk to iPhone people unless it downloads that, that app. So I get it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a, um, Lord, I can't think of the name of it, but y'all, this is going to eat me up. <laughs> well, Melissa, you, I, while she's thinking about that, you had something that you was wanting to say. Yeah. Go um, ahead. Me and Jason were talking about this a while ago about how you'd, he said you'd feel differently if you brought it to your, you know, unknowingly brought it to somebody. And this, what makes it any different than bringing the flu or pneumonia or a cold to somebody who has a poor immune system? It, this, see, that, so with the flu, yeah, um, they have treatment options. With pneumonia, you can go on oxygen, you know, breathing treatments, all of that. Mm -hmm. With COVID, it's still so, they just don't know enough. Every single week, they're saying, okay, well, this, this may be associated with it like this COVID toe. Um, but when they, when they told me you have COVID, I was like, okay, well, what do I do? They're like, you stay at home. If you don't, if, if you start having these issues, go to the hospital. But with the flu, you know, my daughter's immune systems are strong and I'm thankful. Yeah. But I can say, okay, well, we're going to take you to the doctor and they're going to put you on. What is that really big flu medicine? Tamiflu. Seriously? Tamiflu. Tam that's something yeah. you can get and over the counter, but that's still just treating the symptoms. It's not treating the entire It flu. is, but honestly, as somebody who had it, and again, this was my 14th day, kid you not, my, thank goodness my mother was there. Mm -hmm. Now, she wasn't in the same room with me, but she was able to keep the girls away from me. Listen, I felt the only way to describe it, and my mom had called and she was FaceTiming me and I was in the bed and I was like, mom, I don't know what's happening. And I was crying because my thing is I don't really get sick, yeah. but I felt like this gas was just stuck and I could not get it out. It was like having five, not five, that's being dramatic, three surgeries back to back to back. 
and having that so stuck, no matter the cough, no matter the breathing, no matter taking a breathing treatment, and there was nothing they could do. So if it was my daughter, especially Kimberly, who has seizures, which I'm sorry, you don't really know her. She's 10. A girl, I don't even know how to describe how I would have felt knowing that I brought this home and I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And now they're telling me there's nothing we can do unless this happens, but they're not letting people into the emergency rooms because this is going on. So you're sitting in your car and you're watching your daughter and you can't do anything. Yeah. I get Whereas that. with the flu, you can go get tested. They can give you a rapid test. You know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, they start treating you immediately for an upper respiratory, which gets that phlegm, you know, the, the moisture out of your lungs. Yeah. They just don't have that for COVID. And I'm so thankful. I've heard and then again, research that they have done an emergency FDA clear drug that is supposed to help against the, the, the COVID, mm-hmm. you know, cause coronavirus has been around forever. Yeah. COVID is a strain of that. That is a very strong strain, yeah. but I couldn't imagine, um, my grandmother, God bless her. Um, Terry can tell you the closest person I've ever been to in my life. If I would have had to have watched her with COVID and not known well, I mean, she's she's breathing weird. Is is this COVID? I can she's, see, I can her toes swollen. Is that COVID? Right, but with flu, we pretty much know the symptoms because it's been around so long. Yeah. So we can pretty much point it out, and I think that may be the difference that we're ignorance is generally bliss, but ignorance with COVID is not bliss. Does that make sense? We just don't have it, enough it um, education. We have nothing. Um, yeah, they come up with something sense. new every week. Yeah, that makes it's sense. Here's here's where uh, here's where it gets fuzzy for me. Okay, everybody went on a shutdown, uh-huh. but the grocery stores are still open, hospitals are still open. These things that are essential are still open. Uh-huh. If it is so bad that everybody doesn't want to bring it home to somebody, why not shut down the whole country? Or because you can't, you cannot possibly contain it that much, and everybody's got to get out. Right. And even with your ninety-four grandmother, somebody's got to get her groceries if she doesn't. So they're always well, she's in a nursing home, thank God. Okay, well, you know, yeah, but, but I still. agree. Um, with so I spoke with a friend of mine. He's a manager at Walmart in Summerton, um, and he said it's very easy for him to say, mm, "Succeed." Yeah, I, I mean, I can help you from afar. Um, I think that if they were to shut down where people can get food, especially those of us that didn't take it seriously at first, because I promise you, I didn't. <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness, just another thing. Like the swine flu. You remember that. that was yeah, I remember that. Blown yeah. out of proportion. Yeah. Um, I didn't take it serious. Um, so, and I never went out, not once. And I, I can actually say this. I never went in bulk fight. I was like, there are other people. They're more important. You know, we need to get what we need for the week. Uh-huh. Um, if I wouldn't have been able to do that, being that I work so much, because I'll get to my salon at 9 in the morning. I won't leave till 8 o'clock at night. And I'm definitely not going to walk I, girl, to be honest, I probably haven't been to Walmart in a year. <laughs> so the Piggly Wiggly is, I prefer. So, but they close at a certain point, so I couldn't go. So, um, once they closed us down, which I closed before the mandate, um, just because, like I said, I have a really great business and I am so thankful for them, but a lot of them have compromised immune systems and I was like I'm not going down for this there's going to be a lawsuit waiting to happen it's going to come back on us like kind of like it has the governors everybody's fighting against them but I agree I I'm I'm trying to understand which in Summerton and Walmart they had a couple of COVID cases that never went public Mm -hmm. but we knew about 
because we live there. But it's so much easier. They've all set out these standards. You know, you have to say this and this and this and this. And, um, but it, in my business, you can't. So if I'm foiling, I'm this far, you know, yeah. right here. Yeah, if I'm cutting someone's hair, I'm right here. Yeah. But I will say this. Um, the the day of my worst fever, I had gotten outside, and the more I sweat, I, the better I felt. So I think yeah, he so may be the big, like, killer of it. Now, have you ever had a really bad case of the flu or a really bad case of pneumonia to compare? Not the since I was probably about 10. I think okay. I was about 10. I'll yeah. never forget it because I felt like I was breathing out and in the same air, and it was yeah, to me, when, I, when that oh. happens, it feels like I'm blowing out hot air and breathing in hot air is what it feels yeah. like. Because I, I used to I never forget it all the time. Yeah. And I have mm -hmm. a really bad respiratory issue. Yeah. So I'm not going to say I'm at risk or any. I don't know for sure. But I know what these feelings feel like. And I know what it feels like to be put out with these. So I'm not saying that what you experienced was bad. But was when you were 10 years old, was that the last time you were really sick? Sick like, was something by means of normalcy? Yes. Okay. But... I have never had pneumonia. The only thing I could compare this to in the mornings, have you ever had somebody asleep on your chest? Yeah, I have a 68-pound a pit bull that loves to lay right here. Right. <laughs> Imagine him being 30 pounds, okay, and laying straight across your chest with all of his weight, like in a huge yeah. bowl. But the more I moved, if I was in motion, the more I was in motion, I felt better. Yeah, that's so, exactly what it is with the with flu and pneumonia. That too, the more yes. like the more you lay there, the worse it gets. So you have to get mm -hmm. up and move. Yeah, and the first things they really test you for is flu and strep. But I will say this: that COVID test. <sighs> I was going to ask about that too. Yeah, that <laughs> it was is so tough. bad. The, the first one where I tested positive wasn't so bad, but when I went for my secondary testing, where I finally tested negative. Mm -hmm. He, I felt like he was picking for memories. <laughs> it was terrible. I would not do it again. Um, I think you really have to feel bad to really want that test. Yeah. Um, if I may interject, folks, if you don't know what they're talking about, if you haven't been on Facebook or anything like that, one way that, please correct me if I'm wrong, Stella, but mm -hmm. the way they check, you know, those really long Q-tips that happen to be in the doctor's office. She's cringing now thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> those go up your nose. And, All the way. Yeah, and, and they touch your brain. And down your throat. About. Yeah. They anyway, do, um, keep going. Your nose and your throat. <sighs> what he said, and I can feel it, and it hurts. Um <laughs> It hurts so bad. It's not a test that I would do if I just didn't feel like I had to have it. This, y'all, I think COVID's just been around a while. And I they're so just true. developing the test for it. And it's just perfect for mass panic. Now, and I think is, it's really done its job. Yeah, this is my opinion of it. And all the political stuff going on and whatnot. You know, everybody started shutting down. And it was one party against the other. And then the president, of course, was forced to react and say this is what right. we're going to do now mm -hmm. with that you know he had to that's from a political standpoint because to me if it were if it were i mean i'm not saying it wasn't bad i'm not saying people who've had it or not if or whatever i'm not saying it's not bad but i don't think it's that bad considering the mask that they're giving us and making us wear they do nothing they, they the particles mm -hmm. can still get in and out unless you get a certain kind of type of grade those particles can still get in and out of your mask I agree. And, 
And there's so many places that are still open that can possibly, like you said, you didn't really have symptoms till like what, two weeks I later? I didn't. Right. We I really there? didn't. Um, day 10 is when I first started <laughs> really feeling the symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, day 14, the, the wolf will bat thing. Yeah. Day 15, 16, 17, when I woke up, I just, it was, it almost felt like um, I was just breathing through, um, oh my gosh, how do you describe it? Breathing Heavy. through a heater. Breathing in and out through a heater, kind of like, but it kind of burns going in. No, and um, no, I couldn't describe it like that. It just like, um, you've gone and bought a couple of 10 pound bags of sugar and they're just, it, yeah. it's like you couldn't catch your breath. Like you, and it was only in the morning, but I, my husband was so great. He was like, Stella, we've got to get, we've got to move. We've got to yeah. maybe go for a walk. Um, I was, I'm lucky enough that my sister has breathing treatment, so she, they maintain those, but a couple of mornings, I was like, how do people, and I'm a smoker, I am a smoker, but I'm like, if I keep smoking, is this what I'm going to deal with? Like, <laughs> is this what COPD is? Because it hurt. It felt like I had little tiny um, thorns yeah. that were just poking out. Like, if you turn the wrong way and you kind of stretch that muscle and it hurts for a minute, yeah. that's what it felt like. And it was all through here, and girl, it just. And I really did. I was like, you know, I have to have had the mild case because I was over it in a couple of days, um, a week at best. Uh -huh. But those days that I woke up, I just, and I didn't tell anyone. Um, and I, you know, I only had three people in my salon that I really needed a phone. And everybody's like, well, why didn't you post it on Facebook? Why would I? Y'all are treating us like we're lepers. Yeah. Why would I want to <laughs> tell you about my struggle? I don't, I don't want to do that. And, and what I really hate about Facebook is, People are like, if you don't post it on Facebook, you're not having an issue. No, I can struggle without putting it on Facebook. That yeah, is absolutely. literally what I'm so great for. Yeah. I, my struggles are my own, and I don't really care if you know about them. That my, my greatest advice when it comes to Facebook, and I've been very guilty of breaking my own advice, but if you care about your mental health, stay on Facebook. Agreed. It's, um, and if I didn't have a business, I probably wouldn't be on it, to be well, honest. I understand. I, I, I understand completely. Uh, and, and you know, I, sometimes I, I feel like I feel like I, there's a responsibility to say something or take a stand on something. But oh my gosh, it's just it's it's just so much insanity. That I guess maybe I'm just getting old. The older I get, the less I can I can deal with that. I'm just like ah, not today, not today. Yeah. Well, I think I think the problem. Um, I'm married older. Uh, which is fine. I, um, my husband's ten years older than me, um, but I love having a conversation where I can learn something from somebody. And now they're like, "I'm gonna, look, I'm gonna block you. Yeah. I don't agree with with your point of view, so I'm just not gonna deal with it at all because I'm triggered." Yeah. No, we're adults. You tell me what your issue is. I'll tell you why this is mine, and we can meet in the middle, and maybe we can even, you know, bond over this. But nobody wants to do that anymore. I know, and this is not nobody awful. wants to do that anymore. And it's, so it's funny. Pretty, yeah. Terrible. I, 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 I think I, I have to, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you more, okay. but I, I, I 1000% agree with that. Yeah. No, the, the art, the art of discussion is, is a lost art now. It is, you know, and, yeah. and there's a lot of people that, you know, I, I'll just put it like it is. There's a lot of people that make comments on Facebook that they would never do face to face. Cause I know that'd get hit. Yeah, never do it. Well, well they never do it. The other thing is, 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 is most of the time that I've encountered, these are the people that I've encountered, they say, 
you're open to freedom you know you you know you can be you but this is what I'm against and then you say well I have a you know a different opinion on this and then they get mad and they want they you do. to believe what you want to believe as long as it's what they believe and that's my right <laughs> they do um you can't support a b c and d and support e then right. you're against them right and I, just, I i i really hate that we've come to that in which i'm a millennial i'm not a fan of it i am oh, I me too. Yeah. but my mom raised me you listen because you never know somebody's story until you sit down and listen to it right ever. absolutely and i don't care what you think you believe if you don't sit down and oh there's my sister okay I'm sorry, guys. It's okay. No, hey, it's, it's been coming. wonderful. Stella, Stella we, yeah. we appreciate you coming on the show, and feel free. This is an open invitation. You are welcome anytime. Oh, yeah, because oh, clearly you have more to say. It was so nice to meet y'all. Thank you so much. You know, you know I love you, and tell Greg I said hey, and tell your brother I, I said hey as well. And hopefully I'll, oh, yeah, here he is. Yeah, and I'll see you the 16th, hopefully. He was saying hey to you. Yes, ma'am. Um, hopefully we'll be back in business the 16th. All right. So. All Stella, right. Bye, Stella Glover, you. ladies and gentlemen. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you. That's all the time we have for this episode. Please like and follow us on Facebook at Porch Matters Podcast. Please subscribe or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or the platform of your choice so you don't miss an episode. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate the show and leave us a review if you have the time. Thank you very much for listening. And catch us next time, right here on Porch Matters.